Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of The Art of Flourishing. My name is Lauren De Silva and today we are being joined by Amanda. Amanda is a wife, she's a mother of four and a best-selling author who is passionate about helping women become empowered believers in themselves and in their bodies. She's a pregnancy and childbirth coach with years of experience helping women through one of the most transformative times of their lives. Amanda believes that every woman has the right to feel confident and capable during their pregnancy and childbirthing experience. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Lauren, for having me. I appreciate this and I'm excited to be here. Okay, so um, Amanda is one of the authors, uh, contributing authors of an anthology that we've put together called The Art of Flourishing. Um, it consists of three books and the the book that Amanda contributed a chapter on um, is, well, the book is the On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Um, and Amanda shared all about her passion for a woman's pregnancy and childbirthing experience. Um, when I interviewed Amanda before she joined the project, I was just gobsmacked at the way in which Amanda, I'm going to talk to you now. I'm like, I just realized I'm talking about you while you're right here. Um, uh, I was just gobsmacked by how you described childbirth and pregnancy um, and the experience that you believe every single woman should have um, as part of that experience. And I was wondering if you could kind of start us off by sharing your backstory with us just a little bit. Um, How did you, like, where did you start off? Like, take us, like, back to the beginning. And how do you go from there to having this really powerful, amazing philosophy and um, yeah, like philosophy around childbirth and pregnancy. So I went through 12 years of infertility, got help, did all the things to conceive my first child. And I did what the majority of society does today. And I just followed what my doctor said and it made it more, um, what do you call it? Like, potent for me or more like I felt like I had to follow my doctor because of the fertility part of it like I wouldn't have gotten pregnant if it wasn't for that help so then I felt obligated to follow all the things check off all the boxes and do all the things and what that got me was first of all 12 years of infertility makes you feel like your body is broken already right you Mm. you just have this belief of there's something wrong with me I am broken I cannot have children I mean for a long time I thought I was never going to become a mother to be a mother of four today is just such a miracle to me (laughs) um and if eight years ago somebody would have told me I was going to have eight four children I would have honestly thought they were crazy Because for me, it just didn't seem like that would be a thing. Mm. And so when I got pregnant, I did. I followed all of the things. And what I found was that in my care, I was 
it was interesting because I didn't see this at the time. Yes, I hated going to every single one of my appointments because my doctor put pressure on me about my weight. She started mentioning C-section by the time I was four, four and a half months pregnant. That's really early to start talking about that. And so I feel like she basically started planting that seed and then she nurtured it through the rest of my pregnancy. And then in the end, my daughter was breached and there are very few doctors who will give you the option of delivering breach uh, vaginally. So I ended up in a space where I left every appointment feeling defeated, Mm. feeling, feeling beat up by the incessant push for me to actually at the end lose weight. Um, And I remember just being, I was in a place where she was pushing a C-section. She was pushing, like she offered to do the, and inversion or aversion and I didn't want it I the way she explained it and I she did this on uh, I believe she did this on purpose now because looking back I'm like oh well that kind of just scooted me right into the scheduled c-section but the way she explained it it was like oh that does not sound at all you know pleasant for me or the baby Mm mm-hmm And so I was in a place where I made the decision not based off of what I wanted or what I thought was best for us, but based off of the fact that I didn't want my doctor in my life anymore. I didn't want this person speaking into me anymore because it was so negative. It is so detrimental to myself that I I didn't want any of it. So... I opted for the scheduled C-section and then I walked away from that again. I went into the pregnancy thinking I was broken, right? Mm. Had to have help to get there. And then I walk out of that pregnancy feeling like I'm broken. My body doesn't know what to do even when it does get pregnant. Mm. Um, And so I, I felt like on many levels, I was just like, okay, well, God gave me this one baby and this is just, the story for me but I wasn't satisfied with that and then when my daughter was about two weeks old it might have even been before that but when she was about two weeks old I just had this like I had this like smack in the face or just God like kind of spoke to me and he was like you're not broken that system is broken and there's nothing wrong with you. And I believed that from that moment on, I never questioned anything about my ability to conceive or have babies after that. And mind you, I was 37 when I had my first. And I did have secondary infertility. I had a miscarriage after I had my first, but when we decided to have more or have another one I got pregnant within two cycles when God whispered to me you're not broken there's nothing wrong with you you were never broken it was time you know it was like it was his timing 
and his timing was perfect. Mm. <clears throat> so, thought... to oh. make a long story short, <laughs> when he spoke that to me, his confidence filled to overflowing in me, and no, nobody could speak otherwise to me. Mm. And so, when I did conceive again, I had a miscarriage, and I gave that to God really easily. Like, yes, a, a miscarriage is really hard to walk through. It was my second miscarriage. I was, I had already been through the process once, but this time was different. Like my confidence, my balance was in a different place. And I, I just let that one, let it go. Like God got something right. And I was pregnant again within five months of that miscarriage and I went on to basically I controlled my care through my second pregnancy I had an OBGYN but I was the one in control of my care right I made the decisions I educated myself to be able to advocate and just be able to know what was coming so that I could make the decision that was right for me because that was the thing that I had handed over in my first pregnancy. Mm. I had handed over all of that responsibility. Mm. And then I paid the consequence for that. Mm. Because I, I didn't, in the end, I felt like I had no choices. I had no voice. Mm. And I gave my doctor way too much control in my life for that journey. And I was, I was not going to do that again. And so I did. And this doctor, he, uh, he obviously didn't like me. There was definite animosity there for, for my pushback, right? Like he didn't like it that I questioned or that I just straight up declined things. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. There's no point in that. And he at one point tried to manipulate me and that was the point where I was able to like I could almost physically show my husband like this is what I'm up against if I continue with this care and going for a hospital birth this type of manipulation and that was when my husband um, agreed to hiring a midwife and so I had my second child at home and it was a beautiful experience and I had two my other two at home as well so three of my four children were born at home two of them unassisted completely euphoric <laughs> I know mm. I use that word it's euphoric I I say that because with my first, I didn't know what to expect. And so there was a lot of that unknowing tension in my body. Mm. But when it came to those next two, I had no, I had no fear. Mm. I had no, no tension to hold on to because I, I could completely relax knowing, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm laboring and we are going to have a baby and I could completely relax through 
that process and just allow my body to do what it's created to do. And in that have just a beautiful experience where, yes, I got loud. Transition is hard. It doesn't matter how relaxed you get when that final moment of opening happens. It's, it's, and your baby is right there. It's, it's an intense moment, but in the end, I would absolutely say that my birth were pain-free and euphoric, beautiful experiences. And I think that women today are robbed of that mm. in so many ways. Right. They're robbed of having that kind of confidence in their body and in what they were created to do. Right. Like, and, and I mean, it sounds it's like... Only the, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's like we are the only species alive that questions our ability to do this too. <laughs> There's no other species on Earth having babies that is questioning their ability to have it. But we, because we have all this technology and we have all these people who are highly educated around something, we feel like we don't have the knowledge we need. But if we look inward, we do. Mm. I think, look, I mean, what I what I just heard from your story was just how the absence of fear and the presence of trust almost created an environment in which you were able to just like relax into yourself and your body's ability to do the thing that it was made to do. And like really what, what your chapter um, or contribution to on earth as it is in heaven is really like, a, it feels almost like a manifesto for a woman's right to, welcome life into the world without fear without or especially having fear almost like instilled into her right so like there yeah you know like I I mean it sounds like having not not knowing what to expect or being a little bit anxious you know especially with your first baby um that that is just a normal part of life but to have that fear nurtured um and fertilize you know like to like or manipulated or taken advantage of you know um whether it be consciously or subconsciously i think um it just really reading your chapter made me go because i'm i'm a mother of three all of my babies were cesarean births so i for for when when i spoke to you and you said lauren it's euphoric and everyone can have a euphoric birth experience i was like what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that that sounds like another the, honestly it sounded like another planet to me when you said that um but just like recognizing how different it could have been with a provider who trusted or providers who trusted my body too right um yes and I mean, oh gosh, there's so many things that I wrote down sharing your story, like with a provider who trusted who trusted my body and who taught me how to trust my body rather than taught me how to question it. Um, yeah. And also, like, I just love what you said. And I think this, if you're listening and maybe aren't a parent or, or like me, you're done having babies, um, 
I think that the what I loved about what you said was that I realized that I like you didn't use these words, but when you were talking about give, uh, not taking enough responsibility for your own care and for the, your own journey through pregnancy and into birth was like, I had actually delegated this experience to mm. someone else. Yeah. And I delegated my agency. I delegated my authority over my own body. I delegated, you know, I just delegated all of these choices to someone else out of fear, out of mistrust of myself you know, from a place of feeling broken already. Um, and I think like this, I, the idea of choosing not to delegate something as big as your pregnancy, your birthing experience, but then beyond that into every area of our lives, like how empowering of a way to live is it to say, no, I, I can't delegate that part. Like, it's that important to me that I need it belongs to me and it's my like I need to steward it I can't delegate it um I can't delegate this part to someone else right and and I think that right there is like when I realized how much power I gave over in in just choosing to follow the status quo and check all the boxes for the insurance company to be happy or for the doctor to be happy like, what happened to my happiness and all that? Where did I put myself? Like, you think you put yourself at the top of the list when you're pregnant. But looking back, I can say I was not at the top of the list because I was more worried about meeting the standard. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, if I was leaving every single appointment, and my husband was with me at every single appointment, he witnessed the belittling. He witnessed the bullying. He like he witnessed that picking away at me. And I left every appointment in tears. Well, that's not how anybody should walk through pregnancy. And I strongly believe no woman should ever have to make the decision to have a C-section because they want their doctor out of their life. Mm. And I didn't know enough. I didn't know anything because I had chosen not even to do any research. Right? We research our car seats. We research our strollers. We're researching what pump to get and carriers. And, you know, we're researching all those things. But are we thinking about the whole process to get to those things. Mm. I mean, it's a lot. Or are we delegating that to somebody else while we are walking away, just thinking about the things that come after? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot like marriage where (laughs) the only investment we make in our marriage is that what we're paying for our weddings, (laughs) you know? So like, Like, we think that I, I think there may be some kind of psychological trick going on there because we think like, okay, if I do the right things, like, so if I check all the boxes, do I have beautiful flowers? Check. Do I have a beautiful dress? Check. Do I have a great venue? Check. Is the food delicious? Check. Great. I'm ready to get married. Um, whereas, yes. like, you know, so it's, it's. I, I mean, and I'm, yes. I'm getting kind of curious now about, like, I wonder what the psychology is, like, with, for example, like a baby registry. Like, I've got the stroller. Check. I've got the... Um, They've got the nursery, check. It's painted and it's cute, check. Okay, 
I'm ready for motherhood. Like it's almost as if we, yeah. our, our cultural rituals are not serving us really well. <laughs> you know, at the right. like like our cultural rituals are not preparing us adequately for the real real of marriage. Exactly, exactly. They're not preparing us even for the journey to motherhood. Right? Like nobody talks about this, and I. In something I've been studying, you know, I'm studying a lot of stuff about birth these days. And I, in other, in other cultures, they don't have a baby shower. They have a mother's blessing. Hmm. And it's all for the mother. It's not for the baby. It's like helping her prep meals and freeze them. It's a day of just friendship and, you know, all the things she could need for her. And it's amazing to me because I'm like, oh, well, our culture is totally off base in this one because, yeah, yeah, we forget about ourselves. We celebrate the baby before the baby's here and we forget about ourselves. We put ourselves kind of on like, oh, well, everything's about this baby. But what are we missing out on and actually being present in these moments and making those decisions that are right for us in the moment. Uh, because when I felt bullied, I realized now all I had to do was open my mouth and speak. Mm. Right. Like all I had to do was put her in her place. Mm. She is providing me a service. And this is something I think so many of us have wrong. And it took an, an actual coach to say this out loud for me to be like, that's it <laughs> right there. A doctor is just like your hairdresser. You chose your hairdresser. You made an appointment. You expect a certain service from them. Your doctor is no different than that. You chose your doctor. They are providing you a service. Mm. They work for you you are paying them but somehow they've stepped into an authoritative role in something that is so personal to us as women Mm. we don't even know how to hear our intuition around this because we've been programmed to just follow the, the status quo just Go to the, all the appointments, mm. go get all the measurements and do this and yeah, go get all the testings and all the ultrasounds and, oh, well, you're overweight. Oh, you have to see a high risk doctor because of that, which is not correct, but mm. right. There's all these things and they add and they pile on and it's amazing to me that then they question whether, well, like, then they start to question you because your blood pressure is high. Well, how much stress are you adding to this pregnant woman who, whose body is working overtime to grow mm-hmm. this baby? Amanda, I'm wondering about, like, how, as a culture, we have, I mean, we could probably talk for another two hours about how, as a culture, we've let mothers down from mm-hmm. st- from start to finish. Like, you know, and I think we're at the like starting point of this conversation where like I think when we when you talk about taking responsibility, you know, for your journey, like I wonder 
and this is maybe just a, this is probably just an open-ended question and you could share your thoughts on it as well like how have we how have we as a commu- as communities how have we as friends sisters mentors mothers of our own daughters um you know like adoptive mothers in like a in a relationship spiritual sense like how have we abdicated responsibility for the for each other's motherhood preparation how have we delegated that to our medical system and to our doctors and maybe the reason why it's so easy to be coerced into a birth plan that is actually not best for you and your child maybe the reason why it's so easy to doubt your body's abilities and to question and to be to maybe the reason why we have no idea what's waiting for us on the other side of a birthing experience is because we haven't sat in a circle with more experienced mothers who've told us maybe it's maybe it's because we haven't been present at a birth of our younger siblings or our cousins or our friend's first baby you you know what i mean like we yeah like I'm wondering if this is not a symptom of a larger societal illness that when we look well, at like, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think that you're making a great point because this is so true. And I think that where things started to go is like a hundred years ago when hospital births started to become a thing. Once the medical system realized that there was money to be made, they started these things that put things in motion. So now you have what are called uh, certified midwives, certified practicing midwives, right? And they are actually regulated by the same things that your OBGYN are, which means that you risk out with them and they can no longer serve you according to state regulations. And, what that does is, yes, you can say, oh, I have a midwife. But if you don't understand that your midwife is more medicalized than you understand or than you are registering, your experience probably will not be what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they stopped. So back 100 years ago, we had what we call granny midwives. And these women had already lived their lives, but they were attending births from the time they were teenagers. They were attending in their communities because that was their calling. And that's what they did. It's just what they did. They didn't have education on it. They just did it because that's what they were called to do. And today we're missing that Mm -hmm. because the powers that be wanted control Mm. and so they put things into place so a lot of those granny midwives were black uneducated women who couldn't read or write and so when it came for them to have to certify pass a test and pass whatever to get approved they could no longer serve in their communities Mm. and some of them stopped because they were fearful of the reprimand that would come if they didn't and so that knowledge has been lost to us a hundred years later Mm. you're right 
people aren't sitting around in circles unless you have built a community, which is on my heart to do. Unless you've built a community where women are sharing these stories. When I share my story, it's so sad to me that I get the reaction that I get. Yeah. Because I feel like you saw my heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> For you. For you when you reacted, and I'm getting emotional now, um, my heart broke for you because of what was taken from me. Yeah. Oh, now I'm crying too. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a powerful thing, but yet when they did that to the midwife, to the midwife, what they did too was they stopped the conversation. Mm. The community stopped. Mm. because they weren't going to somebody they'd known their whole life for their care. They weren't going to somebody who made them comfortable. And there have been people throughout time who birthed at home, chosen to birth at home, and had these euphoric birth experiences, but we've stopped sharing those stories. Mm -hmm. And... When we stop sharing those stories, and I'll, I'll tell you another way. Yes, as, a, as the generations have passed, I'll tell you, the knowledge that is being passed down about pregnancy, childbirth, you know, becoming a mother, the journey to motherhood, all of that, the stories are, like, non-existent. I mean, my mom didn't pass anything down to me. Because she didn't know how to, because it wasn't passed down to her. Mm. But my great-grandmother had 18 kids, and I doubt she ever doubted her body. Yeah. I really, I really think that we're at a place where I think on a number of different issues, and in, particularly that affect women as as profoundly as for example our birth pregnancy and motherhood that there is almost like this collective awakening to the power of female community feminine community um mentorship friendship um and quite frankly like dropping the pretenses and getting up in each other's space in a way that's helpful. Um, And I just wanted to thank you for the work that you're doing. I mean, just in sharing your story, like it had a profound impact on me. um, And I know it'll have a profound impact on the women who read it. I also know that it's implications, just like in just like in hashing it out with you in this conversation today. um, Like there is so much even if you are done bearing children, even if you don't want to bear children, even if you do feel really comfortable with the care that you get in a conventional institution, like I, like the conversation isn't so much about that as it is about um, trusting feminine wisdom, re- reconnecting with ourselves, our bodies and with one another um and like you said taking responsibility for the things that are just not 
working for us and not waiting for an institution to move, not waiting for, you know, like a cultural movement for people to wake up to like how valuable midwife experience or feminine experience and wisdom and intuitive wisdom is, but to actually create those cultural shifts for ourselves so that we can create the kind of world that we want to live in and we want our children and our grandchildren to live in. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for being here with us, Amanda. Like we have, I mean, like I said at the beginning of this, we're probably not going to stay on script and that's totally fine. Um, my big takeaways from today are the power of taking responsibility and the power of community um, and like being really intentional with um, reconnecting ourselves with one another and the woman around us. Um, and I just thank you so much for sharing your story and thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, it's, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.